Welcome back to the second part of my conversation with Lisa McCrowan about Mean Girls and how we as parents and teachers can most effectively, honestly, and authentically turn the tide on mean girl behaviors for everyone's benefit, including their own. Here we are for part two of our interview um, and conversation with Lisa McCrowan. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Yes, yes, you did. Yes. Okay, great. Um, so thank you again for your time. I'm, I think this is such an important topic in so many ways. Um, and now I'm wondering, I, I, in your article that yes. I read, um, you talked about an, a, a teacher trying to come up and help you mm-hmm. when that teacher saw that you were sad and, and feeling excluded. But that teacher, it wasn't really very helpful for you. And I wish you would explain a little bit why it wasn't helpful to that little girl that mm-hmm. you were and mm-hmm. also what a teacher or administrator or adult could do that would actually help when you're in that excluded reality of the moment. Mm, okay, yes. Uh, so when I had moved to the new school uh, and then all this took place and then, yes, a, a a male teacher came up to me at one point in front of everyone, you know, in the in the cafeteria uh. Uh, and said something like, you know, like, don't you want to sit with someone? And I'm thinking in my head, well, so, so this is what happened. So first I didn't have a relationship with this, with this, uh, with this teacher. Uh-huh. And so therefore I didn't really see him as an ally. Uh, and because on it, and when I look back at it now, there was no really like strong orientation or connection that was made with another administrator or teacher. Um, there, there wasn't anybody assigned to like uh, welcome in the new kiddo and stuff. And so I think that's mm-hmm. one thing that I see, for example, at my, at my children's uh, middle school that like they are the new people who come in new, especially yes, all sixth graders. But like if somebody comes in new in sixth or seventh or eighth grade, they are, there's an administrator or a teacher assigned just to just be about helping them to orient and be like, Hey, I'm your point person. I am about you. And so from the get go, and again, even as I'm thinking, as I'm thinking about this, like I've, I've seen this, so just how they look at a child, how they acknowledge a child, how they, with their presence and stuff. And so they build that sense of trust way before something even happens. Uh. Um, so, so there's a lot of groundwork that, that I feel like we could lay down as administrators, teachers, uh, and so that we have a point person for an, a child that might be coming in uh, new to a school too. Uh, also too, I really see how counselors, at least again, at my, at my children's school, like they are just phenomenal with the groups and things that they, that they run and that they, they again, only have a small group of, uh, of students that they're in charge of and they make an effort and making this kind of connection with them. So that was missing when mm-hmm. I was a child, there was no orientation and, and no one really that I felt like had, I had built up the trust with. And then second, mm-hmm. we often address these things. We have to remember that, especially in middle school and then into high school, uh, children can be easily humiliated and, and actually our little guys too, but like mm-hmm. there is, and we, we just become more conscious of our peers when we, when we get into middle school. And so when the teacher came up to me in front of all these people and so embarrassing, 
exactly so oh. embarrassing the, the thing I wanted was oh my god go away I don't want yeah. any teacher near me I don't right. want to bring any attention to me oh. uh, so so these times and just remembering how we were too when we were little about like we we're a middle school or a high school and like we wouldn't have wanted and, and the importance of how our peers think of us and stuff and so bringing children aside I, I see this a lot in elementary school too about like um, the things that sometimes we we say to children in a group um, we would never say to another adult in a team meeting or something like that or in the boardroom. So this regarding our children, the way that we talk to them and, uh, and bringing them, um, not calling on them, uh, calling them out in front of, in front of people, it's humiliating. And that humiliation can really stay uh, with a child too. So it's the building up of the, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh God, I'm laughing at the pain. Yes. Oh, I totally. know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So that sense of connection. And again, in a world where there are, you can have connection, quote unquote, you can have that in so many ways, but it can be so superficial. And so if there are ways that schools and administrators can have smaller, uh, more, one-on, if not one-on-one, but smaller groups of connection in some way, but like someone is making eye contact and supporting and, and seen as a trusted adult uh, in a child's life. Sure. And I think it comes back to this, if you want to put some emphasis too on on the mindfulness factor, because, Mm. you know, we can do anything, even in big groups, if we're, Mm -hmm. if we're present within ourselves. So do you want to uh, bring that uh, wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, children. Okay. So when we're teaching too, or we're um, like when, when teachers are teaching and stuff and yes, you have a large group of kiddos and middle school teachers really know this. I mean, the ones that Thank I you. know that it's like kids sniff out inauthenticity. Absolutely. So you, yes. So if you are just present and you are enjoying just you are, you're present and you are real and honest. And again, in varying degrees, like, of course, but that like you're, you're authentic. They, they love that. Mm-hmm. They love that. And they thrive on that. So mm-hmm. yes, you can teach from this place of presence and authenticity, uh, that, um, that I, that I see in a lot of teachers actually. And, and children, oh, and then using using stories, sharing stories of vulnerability, of your own vulnerability, or where you faced adversity can be really helpful. Even my, my third grader, well, now going into fourth grade, my daughter, uh, she just loved her teacher this last year. And she was actually new at, at the school that we were at, and, or where we are now. And her teacher just would talk about these stories that would of his own life from when he was little or like, it doesn't even matter. I mean, his childhood, even now, like last week with his like two year old or whatever, Mm -hmm. but she would come home and share these stories. Well, she felt connected to him and seen by him because he would share these stories that were related to the lesson and related to like, you make mistakes and you rise out of them and, or you feel foolish or you feel embarrassed or you are trying to kick a habit or whatever. And, and, and so he would share stories. So that's something we can do when we're teaching as well like sharing stories about our own lives and children soak that up and we, they relate to you through story. Right. Right. I know. I remember, uh, well, I, I recently saw something. I'm sure you've seen it too. be the teacher you needed when you were a child. Oh, and we all know who that teacher is. We still know that there's that child within us that knows who that teacher is. Yep. 
and and that teacher is within us that parent is within us you know yes. and that mindfulness factor brings us allows us to just you know come back within i think um I love that. I, I'm so grateful that in this day and age, mindfulness is becoming more and more mm-hmm. honored mm-hmm. because it's it's the lifesaver for all of us that is not complicated. Do you have any just sweet little pointers to how people can tap into that that takes it mm-hmm. out of the sense of, ooh, you know, it's so oh, yeah. <laughs> good, good. Yes. Good. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I... I teach faculty and staff mindfulness and I teach uh, mm. at Georgetown University and I also I've been brought in to, to talk to teachers about uh, in, ver- in school systems about mindfulness and, well, and positive discipline and those things. And so, yes, mindfulness is a piece of everything. Mm. Well, so like even when thinking of a concrete example here is like even when you're just starting to as a teacher, let's say you, you have ebbs and flows in your day where your energy is low or you get frustrated about something. Uh, let's take that moment of like, maybe you're frustrated about something. Mm-hmm. Everything begins with this pause, just this pausing and like literally just, just feeling your feet, like wiggling your feet and feeling your feet on the earth mm-hmm. and then exhaling. I often tell clients, both in groups and then in individuals that like, Mm -hmm. we need to empty out before we can fill back up. So really focusing on the exhale, Mm -hmm. I'm like exhaling out from the lower belly, just (sighs) (sighs) and really feeling that belly button going back toward the spine. Mm -hmm. Just those two things of that, or three things of that pausing, feeling your feet on the earth, focusing on the exhale. And, and then the, a fourth, maybe part of it is just like acknowledging, acknowledging like I'm frustrated right now, or this is hard right now, mm-hmm. or uh, I'm, this is, I, I'm tired and overwhelmed right now. The acknowledgement, that last cognitive piece too, is this, has this sense of, uh, it's an act of self-compassion actually. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's combining mindfulness and compassion, um, and, and actually those are the two, the two wings to awareness, uh, mindfulness Beautiful. and then compassion. Beautiful. And so when we bring in that compassion, like, yeah, this is hard right now, or yeah, I'm frustrated right now. Or of course I'd be frustrated. I call that the, of course, practice with, with my clients. It's just like, yeah, of course I'd be angry, frustrated, mad, hurt, disappointed, and just acknowledging what's here. Then there's a little bit more spaciousness. So we're moving out of fight or flight and we're moving, we're, we're telling we're telling the the body and the brain that we don't need as much cortisone and adrenaline and all those things running through us that we can that that we can slow down that and uh, and come out of that into possibly even just a little bit of rest and digest. So moving out of that fight or flight or that acute um, stressful situation, just like okay, rest and digest, or move out of like the myopically focused moment, like oh my god, I'm so frustrated, <laughs> into a wider a wider lens of awareness. Right. That that's beautiful. That's a beautiful, clear explanation. Uh, I heard something else recently that when we name the feelings that we're having, mm-hmm. then the feelings are are coming from you know maybe the amygdala or that emotional mm-hmm. limbic system, the that part of the brain. And then when we actually choose to consciously name, then we're uh, uh, activating more consciously that that frontal l- lobe. Uh-huh, the, the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal but yes, the, uh-huh. cortex. Yes, yes. And that can can um, 
kind of dominate or at least balance out the activity yes. of the limbic system. So this is actually physiologically yes. valid yes. choices that we make that that physiologically change us. We're not just mood making or, no. you know, la la. We're actually doing something that is physiologically making a difference. So yeah. people should feel that this is very practical advice, very practical. Oh, so, yeah. Good. And I love your steps, so the wiggling the toes and, and, mm-hmm. and say it again, wiggling the toes. Yeah. And- so just, I mean, feeling your feet on the earth and then, and then I bring up the image of, I'll go a little further into this getting grounded thing. It's just like, mm-hmm. and then imagining the earth underneath you, because what happens is when we get really myopically or when we're stressed, our attention gets really myopic. And mm-hmm. so when we take in something expansive, like the earth, which is just the ground underneath you, mm-hmm. uh, we begin to move. That's like a cue to the, to the brain to to move a little bit out of fight or flight to be able to take in something expansive and then I often I I taught yoga for years and I'm still trained in in yoga it's like then then soften the knees because often when we get tense we Mm. we we lock the knees so soften the knees uh, and then feel the tailbone pointed down toward the earth and then the crown of the head up toward the sky Mm. and then softening into the face the jaw the eyes the the tongue and the throat and then that focus on the exhale. I mean, that is a beautiful 30 second, maybe even 18 second, 18 to 30 second, mm-hmm. uh, what I call sacred pause uh, that we can bring into or just a mindful pause that we can bring into our day in any moment mm-hmm. uh, to really change, to change our physiology. Mm-hmm. I love this. This is so powerful and practical mm-hmm. and anybody can do it really. They just have to choose and it's not like some you know, okay, I have to close my eyes and go away in a closet. And Mm -mm. it's just not like that. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Lisa, this is great. So, okay. So when we talk about mean girls, as you said, we are talking about bullies. Maybe it's a subtler form of bully than pushing Mm -hmm. and getting physically aggressive, but it is bullying on a, on a, sometimes a more, more damaging level of of Mm -hmm. the psychology Mm -hmm. and the emotions. So um, you have some important insights about, healing those bullying tendencies in the mm. children what can you share with us so that be, they become those includers yeah so we know this as uh, in the psychotherapy world and and we know this intuitively then as as parents and anyone who cares for for children as teachers too that really human beings we we aren't we aren't born to hurt each other actually like we we only really hurt we are wired for compassion. We are wired for tribe. We are wired for getting along with one one another, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. And so we only hurt others when we're hurting ourselves, like when we're hurting inside. Mm-hmm. And so the first is the understanding that like when someone is bullying, when they're excluding, when they're leaving out, there's somewhere in their life where they just don't feel seen, cared for, included, just use that word included, but they don't mm-hmm. feel included. And often, again, as a psychotherapist, like I know that then there's, there's just some, there's some things that might be happening uh, in their, in their own lives, in their own, their own homes. Uh, So um, I go back to the same thing with the bully. Like when we, when we talk with the bully or we sit down with the, the bully, it is first to sit down to understand and to show regard and to acknowledge 
Mm. So it's to understand, regard, and acknowledge. So when we're talking to administrators or teachers or... And or you kids, didn't say agree. You just said... No, no. Okay, uh-uh. excuse me for agree. interrupting. But oh, yeah. Yeah, that's no, beautiful. we don't have to agree with them. And right. we can st- we are creating a safe container. We're creating... Of course, we're about like limits and boundaries. And there's right. about like strong expectations of what behavior... Uh, is acceptable and what isn't. But the fir- they, there's no learning that can go on uh, when we as human beings, when any one of us as a human being, when we are in fight or flight, there's no learning that can go on. Right. So if we are talking, 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 uh, whether the, we're the administrator, teacher, parent, and we're telling a ch- uh, the bully like what what to do and not to do or this, you know, lecturing them, it is not computing. Right. The very first thing that we can do is we'll obviously get safe in those things. I mean, create like, but that like then is when we're sitting down to talk with a bully, because sometimes as parents, we, our child might be the one who's bullying and we may not want to admit that, but right. or excluding. It's like, so, so literally again, that eye contact coming into it with a sense of regard you can acknowledge here's where mindfulness comes in for us as as parents and administrators like we can acknowledge like i'm really frustrated here or i'm really embarrassed or acknowledging those things naming those feelings as you had said and that creates a certain kind of um it creates a sense of um more expansiveness where we're responding instead of reacting Mm. and then we can really be able to listen to the bully we can be able to really listen to what is being said explicitly, explicitly, but also sense within us what we might be seeing implicitly happening in the bully's life. So first, we have to come from a place of regard and a desire to understand and to acknowledge. And and I lived and worked in Guatemala for in El Salvador for years, and there's a sense of accompaniment to accompany someone. So go talking with the bully. Uh, from a place of like, I want to be alongside you. I want to, I want to understand you. I want to be with you and, and communicating this sense of regard. Children, especially they flourish in that, even the bully and even middle schoolers and even high schoolers. I I've seen it in my work and I've seen it. Um, yeah, I've just seen it in my work a lot. When you come from this authentic place of regard, acknowledging and accompanying and a desire to understand along with boundary setting and limits. Yes. yes. Right. Uh So I, I was a, this is all wonderful. I was a teacher for Mm -hmm. uh, a little over 20 years Mm -hmm. and there were a couple of bullies that I can still remember that Mm -hmm. honestly, I just, I I loved all of my students except Mm -hmm. those bullies. And there's a part of me, you know, and, and it's just like, how do you do it with those kids that you really just mm. ick? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, I, that is hard. Well, because even as even as even as parents, there's times when we don't like our kids. Right. I mean, there's times when we're kind of like we really don't like them. And then you're right too. Is like yeah. I mean, I've talked with teachers and counseled teachers and administrators when there is a kiddo who is really pushing their buttons and really they just don't like them and that is hard to admit we don't want to admit that so there's the first practice of just acknowledging like within our own selves first like this is really hard and this is a really challenging situation um and and notice how i said situation rather than child yes that like this is a really challenging situation because we tend to and we all do this we tend to see 
a person as you are my problem <laughs> and and in the work I do with couples too I mean this is like mm. we see the other person as you are my problem mm. and so the first thing is just to acknowledge like this is really hard for me I feel helpless in it or I feel completely un, um, unnerved by it I mean whatever whatever it is that's going on within us so this is that sense of inclusion that I talked about that I learned out of these experiences of not being included mm-hmm. uh, as a child that like this inclusion that happens within our own selves first so there's this acknowledgement of the various feelings that we are having because a lot of times we want to push them away we don't want to acknowledge them mm-hmm. we might be ashamed of them uh, feeling helpless feeling like this kid's got control over us and we don't mm-hmm. um, feeling really tried by this child so again first of just acknowledging the various parts and including the various parts within our own within our within our own selves and then it's like changing the language literally just changing the language of this is a challenging situation right now right and um rather than a child to got it got it them our problem got it yeah and then um Oh, there, I mean, there's more to say around that, but, but yeah, that, the, that's the, yes. the, the basis that then supports, um, the right kind of action, the, the helpful kind of action and stuff. Beautiful. I mean, obviously this conversation could go on for yeah. ever. Um, <laughs> how can people find you? You have a oh, website. Yeah. Tell us what that yes. is. Yes. So it's Lisa McCrowan.com. So that's L I S A M C C. R O H A N dot com, and um, and I also have an, an an online regarding our children uh, course too. That that it's uh, an eight week course that that parents and administrators can take as well. So that a lot of these are included uh, in that comprehensive course as well. But oh, yeah. so yeah. generous, so generous. Oh, and, thank you. Yeah, and you have uh, your website is is really rich with uh, resources and yes. Um, and Thank so um, I really encourage people to find out more about you and how you can help parents and teachers. Thank you for your time. Thank oh, you for thank wisdom. You. Thank you for all the healing that you're helping to bring out in our world mm-hmm. that needs it so much. Yes. Well, and you too, and all that you are doing. I'm, I'm really grateful for your presence in this world. So. Wonderful. Thank you, Lisa. Oh, yes. Thank you. Okay. Bye. If you gained some valuable insights during this conversation with Lisa, do check out her website and explore her many generous offerings. Again, you can find her at Lisa McCrowan, that's L-I-S-A-M-C-C-R-O-H-A-N.com, where she offers coaching, therapy, an online course, a newsletter, all kinds of good and helpful guidance. So that's it for now. Stay in touch, please. I do love hearing from many of you. Until next time.